doing very well. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. We're chilling, getting into Christmas vibes. We Both. are. What have you been up to lately? So, lately, I've just been at home. I finished uni a week ago. And I didn't really do much. Even though the way I finished this semester is weird, because technically I still haven't finished the semester, but it feels like I have. So, lately, I've just been at home watching fights, watching films, and that's it. Eating, drinking. What about you? I was working yesterday at, because I was told I need to shout this out, um, so this is a hashtag ad, Road Race Rally HQ. Yeah, the new HQ, yes. guys. I know. I was working on it yesterday. So if you want any updates, if you want to see what they're cooking over there, check out at Road Race Rally on Instagram. Highly recommended. It has the stamp of approval from Coffee Hour Podcast. But. In all seriousness, yes, I was working there yesterday helping out and it is looking really good. And I'm really excited to see how that all pans out when it's all finished. It's going to look amazing. So do check out the Instagram because Joe will put everything up on there. Uh, so where is the headquarters? It is just outside of London. He's got himself two units. Um, mm -hmm. One is going to be like an office space. And the other is going to be like a lounge area with like a gaming simulator, coffee table, coffee machine, all that sort of stuff. Oh, that's good. So that's going to be for everyone to just walk in, have a look, have fun, basically. And the other exactly. one is for him. Yeah. So for like prospective clients to come in and have meetings in there, it's just good to have like a really a, a nice, a nice vibe and a nice space that really fits with where the business is. Yeah, yeah, I see. And when is it when is it gonna finish? Like when is it ready to open it basically? Hopefully in New Year. So yeah, very oh, soon. Very soon then. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. It's amazing how when you start off with these things, because we went there a few weeks ago when he had just started work on it, and where it is now, it's amazing how how much you can get done, but how a few weeks ago, it looked like no way is this going to be able to open in the new year. There's so much to do. But just slowly, slowly by doing things every day, you actually, you sort of get that more fuller picture. And I think yeah. it, yeah, I think it is going to be ready to open in January and it's going to look amazing. So for those who are listening and they don't know what we're actually talking about, do you want to give us a little background on actually what even Road Race Rally is and what they do? Road Race Rally is a bespoke automotive artwork company who create artwork for your car, essentially. If you have a supercar, they will do a bespoke piece of your car and allow you to hang that piece of artwork wherever you want, basically, usually in your garage. Usually people have um, a garage decked out with their car collection and stuff. So it's really cool work. I totally agree with that because I remember... Uh, when this first started, when your brother Joe started this, uh, one time I was in your house and I saw it on the wall uh, and I just thought it's like a really cool piece of art. And I asked you, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, where did you get that from? And you're like, Joe made that. And I'm like, oh, did he? And you're like, yeah, yeah, you made that. That's like what you do. And and he grew so much since then. So fair play to him. It's a really creative idea and it's actually really unique. So as you said, if someone has like a supercar, they'll have their one-off piece of art. They could take it anywhere. And it's really cool. I really like that. Highly recommend it. It is. And you know what? Unfortunately, that piece of artwork has been taken down. But what have you done? But well, it's one of the OGs. But 
it has progressed a lot from then. So the process, the materials, the yeah, the design process as well. They they honestly look much so much cooler, and even in person as well. I mean, some of the things you can do, like carbon fiber prints, for example, titanium frames. It's just amazing stuff. I've I've only seen it on Instagram basically, but even through Instagram, it it looks so creative. Like it just looks really cool to have. Uh, I'm sure he spends hours on each piece. I don't think it's an easy job to do. Well, no, because not every car's the same. For example, and someone might have. They might have a, a custom, like let's say McLaren, um, and you've got to get those details right because they're paying you for that service. So, I you need to see one, you need to see a new one in person. That's what you need to see because they look really, really cool. So once the once the new HQ is set up, we'll take you there for a tour. Oh yeah, I'd I'd love to go. I'd love to go because they're the only ones I've seen were the OGs actually. And even then, I was so impressed because I I had no clue that. Your brother does that, so it wasn't a case of oh, me just complimenting them because your brother does it. I genuinely had no clue. I was like, oh, those are really cool, and you're like, yeah, Joe does them. He has come a long way since then. So, shall we get into the first topic, and that is a summary of UFC 296 on the weekend: Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington, and Tony Ferg- Ferguson versus Paddy Pimblett. So, do you want to get into it? That's the one. Yes. Okay. So. Of course, as always, I had to wake up in the middle of the night. Well, not even night, early morning, basically. At 2.30, well, I was aiming to wake up at 2.30. I ended up waking up around like 3.15-ish um, to watch the fights. And there were some good fights on the card. Just keep in mind, this was the final pay-per-view of the UFC in 2023. And there were some good fights. Overall, it was a mediocre fight card. Um, but it it was it was good. It was good. We we got some of our I predictions say, right. Yeah, we did. I have to say, like as a spoil. Well, let's just say the results. So, Edwards in the welterweight title fight beat Covington, and Ferguson lost to Pimblet in the is it undercard? Yeah, yeah, in the main card still, but yeah, undercard basically. And. I think pretty much as we predicted on the fight on the last episode that Ferguson and Pimblet was the more entertaining fight by a mile. And we'll get into why. Um, but I, I saw the highlights cause you sent me the highlights and yeah, yeah that, that was a, that was really fun to watch. That was a fun, a fun fight to watch. Wasn't it? I wish that was a five round that it would have been so much more interesting if that fight was five rounds. Well, obviously why... you don't get that though. Yeah. Why was that one three rounds? And the other one was five is it because the other one's a title fight yeah so in championships or usually sometimes very rarely for your number one contender fights you'd end up having five round fights whereas with the other ones you'll have three rounds which makes sense i mean if you're a champion of the world it's expected for you to go to extra rounds yeah you want the bigger challenge don't you so yeah exactly so let's get into it so what happened in edwards versus covington okay so leon rocky edwards Shows improvements in every single one of his performances. I remember last time he was around and he fought Usman the third time. Before the fight starts, I was like, I, I don't see him get past Usman this time. Because in their second fight, it was a case where Usman was basically beating him up the entirety of the fight. And in the fifth round, bang, headshot dead. And I was like, okay, well, it's just a case of can Usman uh, recover from that knockout? And come back yeah. because skill set he's much better 
But then Usman couldn't even take him down in the third fight. So the improvement was unreal. There's this saying which they say, I believe Teddy Atlas said this, one of the greatest boxing coaches of all time. Um, when you get your hands on the belt, you'll automatically improve 30% overnight. And that's somewhat true because it's more to do with the mindset that the moment they win the championship, they're just better. Like they haven't improved in anything, but it's just a mindset that they know they're the best in the world. Um, so with with um, Leon Edwards, the improvement he showed in the third Usman fight was unreal. In this fight, however, I thought he's going to have a really difficult challenge in Kobe Covington because he's relentless. Like he does not stop punching. He does not stop kicking. He does not stop shooting takedowns. Except he wasn't in those exactly. first three rounds. He was, well, he was passive, wasn't he? He was, he just wasn't getting into anything. It was, it was quite yeah. boring viewing, to be honest. To uh, See, that's, that's the point that's surprising. With Colby Covington, as I said, he's just non-stop going forward, non-stop going forward. The one fight where he kind of slowed down in the fight and he didn't really have that much pace or pressure on the opponent was the second time when he fought Kamara Usman. In the first fight, they had probably one of the greatest fights in the history of the World Debate Division ever. Um, but he got stopped in round five. Whereas in the second five, it it was the same thing you saw in the Leon Edwards fight where he was hesitant to throw. He Every time he threw, he straight up covered up his face. But that was somewhat understandable because that man had knocked him out previously. So he knew the power coming towards him. And he was still dropped two times in that fight. Whereas in this fight, he just started off that way. In my head, it was to do with the long layoff he had. So I was thinking when I was watching the fight, I expected... Kobe Covington to start off fast. I expected him to just sprint in the middle of the octagon, try to take him down, try to just push him back, push him back. But Leon Edward did a really good job of cutting him off, not letting him step forward. And he just wasn't wasn't doing anything. It was kind of boring to watch. And that's not why you watch Kobe Covington. I thought it's to do with the layoff. And that's what he did say at the end, because if you actually look in round three, round four and round five, that's where he actually started to do more and more and more. But it was just too little too late. And even even in round five or even in round four, it wasn't necessarily him doing something. It was Leon Edward making an error, which gave up the top position to Kobe Covington. And he's obviously one of the greatest wrestlers in welterweight division at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it was just so disappointing. I guess you could put it down to, you know, that long layoff. It does make sense. Although, who actually knows if that was the reason? You are right when you say that by the end of it, he certainly had the stronger finish. And I think he had two takedowns throughout the fight, didn't he? So he's got yeah. that to his name there. But Edwards was just, he was more consistent throughout. He had that really st strong start. And in the end, I think Covington was surprised when, when his name wasn't called out as a winner, but it, it was just a comfortable, comfortable victory for Edwards. I don't think, I don't see why he would be surprised. You, you can't, you can't expect to win when you've been that inconsistent throughout the five rounds. You know, it, you're absolutely right when you say it took him three rounds to warm up. Well, there were five rounds in the fight. You can't wait three rounds to start actually fighting. Yes. Like okay. I said, he had the two takedowns, but 
that was yeah that was the that was a more boring fight out of the two we're going to talk about i have to say but i was right in my prediction i did say that edwards was going to win and that's the first time i've ever seen him fight i was quite impressed i thought he was very really good, good at fighting very good at fighting he's just crisp that's what we call crisp that's what we call sharp like it's just sharp like everything he throws aesthetically looks pleasing like he licks everything with perfect technique he throws everything with perfect technique and it just looks good to watch um all judges scored at 49 46 in favor of leon edwards which means that he won round one to four and he gave up round five to uh colby covington that sounds about right yeah yeah i mean even in round five when leon was on his back he just didn't want to get up like it was a case of he knew he won Colby was in no rush to finish the fight because in his head he probably thought he's winning um so it's like I might as well just lay on my back let this guy cruise through this round take no damage and win the fight rather than if he stands up obviously there's the risk of getting knocked out and stuff like that that's very true actually yeah because there were there were times where Edwards was on his back and you thought maybe he might submit here but no, he just stuck it out like a champ. So good on him. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously, Colby Covington is not known for submission threats. Is not not really a great jiu-jitsu practitioner. Is more more so a great wrestler. But like even in round five, like you could see throughout the fight that if Leon wanted to get up, he could get up because he's been taken down once or twice before that. And the moment he got taken down, he just refused to stay down. He got right back up. And one of the times, actually, after he got up, he then took Colby Covington down, which is very impressive in my opinion. Colby Covington is a two-time NCAA wrestling champion in the United States, which is no joke, by the way. So for Leon Edwards, who's known as a striker going into the match against a wrestler, to then come and take the wrestler down just shows that, okay, he's here to stay. It was a smart game plan, wasn't it? And so... Does that mean that he is now the three-time champ? He's now the three-time champion indeed. So that was a second title defense. And yeah, I believe his next fight would be interesting. If they make the fight that is meant to be made, it's going to be interesting. Who would Um, it be? So his next fight is going to be against a guy named Bilal Mohammed. Now, Bilal Mohammed is another great wrestler. Bilal Muhammad is another guy who basically has everything Colby Covington has. So great wrestling, great takedown, no knockout power, no knockout power, like just like Colby, like the exact same things as Colby. But Bilal Muhammad is so much more hungry than Colby Covington, or it seems like he's more, he's he has more technique behind his place, behind his shots. And the interesting thing about the pair is they actually fought during lockdown, but the fight ended in a no contest. The reason for that was a very early eye poke from Leon Edwards, which blinded um, Blal Muhammad in, in one eye for a few days, I believe. So the fight ended um, without a winner. So that'll be an interesting fight if they make. If not, another contender on the fight night who looked real impressive was Shafgat Rahmanov, the guy from Dagestan. He looked really impressive stopping Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. who's no joke, by the way, at 40 years of age. That man is unbelievable. I did so not be the highlights for that one, unfortunately. The highlights went out for that one, but it was it was a mediocre fight. Like The fight was just Shafgat Rahmanov grabbing uh, Wonderboy until he submits him. But 
that's easier said than done when you fight so, against Wonderboy. So a Khabib tactic, basically. A Khabib tactic, but here is the thing. Here is where Shafgar Rahmanov shines. He's got 18 fights, 18 finishes, and he's not necessarily a wrestler. He can wrestle you if you're a good striker. He can outstrike you if you're a good wrestler. And that's what's dangerous about him. Like, he knocks one guy out cold, he submits the next guy. He knocks one guy out cold, he submits the next guy. So he can do it all. And that's what's really interesting about Shafgar Rahmanov. What is Edwards' record at this point? Is he unbeaten? No. So Edwards has quite a few losses. Well, obviously, one of them was to Kamara Usman. The other one was, I believe he has quite a few losses, actually. So he has 21 wins and three losses. I thought you were going to say he's 21 years old there. No, no, it's 21 wins and three losses, which is a very good record for for a UFC fighter. That is very I good. I mean, keep in mind, in, in MMA, it's pretty much impossible to stay undefeated. He is on like a 10-fight win streak right now, same as... Um, Bilal Muhammad. That's why it'll be an interesting fight to watch. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see that if another title fight between Edwards and someone else, if it's um, if it's just more competitive than this one, because like we've been saying the whole time, it was just boring. And in that sense, it was disappointing. Um, the much more interesting fight, though, I think, was Tony Ferguson versus Paddy Pimblett. Do you want to talk us that through that one? Fun. That fight was really fun. Just before that fight, the starter of the main card was the build-up. I just want to get to the build-up. was Josh Emmett versus Bryce Mitchell. This fight had the scariest knockout I've ever witnessed across any combat sport. Ah, is this... I think I know what you're talking about here. Yeah, go for it. This fight was bad. So Bryce Mitchell took the fight on 12 days notice against Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett is fucking powerhouse. He hits so hard, man. Every time he lands a shot, people go to sleep. Obviously, Bryce Mitchell came in to on 12 days' notice. The fight started. I favoured Bryce Mitchell to win just because of his skill set and his jiu-jitsu. But I was like, okay, first fight I'm watching. Let's see how this goes. A minute or two in, he gets caught with an overhand right. That sends him to the shadow realm. That fight, that knockout was so scary to watch. And the reason for that is that wasn't the worst fall I've seen. What I mean by that is there's a lot of fights where the fighter gets knocked out and they fall really badly. Like they slam the back of their head on the canvas or as they're down, they get elbowed two, three times in the face before the referee stops the fight. Nope, not with this one. This was a one and done. Emmett land the shot, just walked away from him. And he fell down normally. Like it didn't fall down a weird way, but he was stiff. He was so stiff and he was completely out cold and he was unconscious for like minutes. Is this the one where he broke into a seizure? Yeah, yeah, and then he started having a seizure, he started shaking. Yeah. And I was like, this this guy's gonna die. Like I was like, please, this cannot be the first death in MMA. I've seen uh, I've seen clips of it on Twitter. Hopefully, um hopefully he's okay now. But that was horrible to see, yeah. That was bad to see, yeah. And then I watched that and actually he, he put a video of himself out thanking Josh Emmett for not killing him, for not throwing the <laughs> Yeah, literally he was like, Josh um, Emmett, God bless you, thanks for not continuing punching me after i was out this so after watching that this just highlights how dangerous the sport is yeah literally i mean obviously if that was a normal human he would have died from that shot the reason he didn't die is i think first of all he's a trained athlete he expected the shot to come 
he was still out cold. So that just goes to show the, how important the conditioning is because he took that on 12 days notice and that's what happened to him. So you could assume he's not in the best physical shape. So if a normal person on the street were to take that shot, I, they wouldn't have got up. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think it's a good idea anyway to take a fight on 12 days notice. Well, see, yeah, see, this is controversial because there's evidence on both sides of the thing. Like the last time a contender took a fight on 12 days notice was Alexander Volkanovsky. He took it against Islam Makhachev and he got knocked out in the first round as well. But see, there are some facts which say, okay, well, the person who took it on short notice, they're fresh because they haven't been through a long training camp, beating their body up, overthinking it. They're fresh. They're coming from chilling on their sofa, having the best food of their life to now fighting for the world title in 10 days or something like that. That's a negative. That's somewhat of a negative. It could also be a positive, but no, it's mostly a negative. I think you need you need that time to get in the right headspace, that time to you know study their tactics and get it right. And you've said the last two times this has happened, the challenger taking it on 12 days notice has just been knocked out cold in the first round. Yeah. yeah. And that's because they just haven't had the prep time. That's true. The only advantage you'd probably have is entering the fight with a healthier body and not necessarily a fit body because you'd have to assume if, if the other side is going through hell for 12 weeks, they would walk into the fight with some sort of injury. Nine out of 10 fighters usually step inside the octagon with some injuries, which they get during their training camp. Whereas if you haven't had that training camp, you probably walk in with a healthy body, but whether or not it's fit enough to take the challenge comes down to your skill set and to your opponent's skill set. I mean, at some point, someone's going to take one of these, you know, 12 day notices and then knock the other guy out. So at exactly. some point it's going to work out. But for now, I think the overall trend is probably not the best thing to do. Although I, I suppose they do it for publicity, don't they? And also perhaps because they want to fight. Well, actually, we were, we're talking about Tony Ferguson and Paddy Pimlin right now. Or we are going to talk about Tony Ferguson and Paddy Pimlin. The downfall of Tony Ferguson was when someone took a fight against him on five days notice and almost killed him. What and since there? that, so he was scheduled to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov for the fourth time, uh, which Khabib once again pulled out of the fight. This was in Fight Island where they used to go to Abu Dhabi during lockdown and host shows there. Yeah. Khabib pulled out the fight due to weight issues, I believe. And a week before, Tony Ferguson posted a picture of himself showing he's on weight, which I think was a mistake, killing your body just to prove you're on weight. Um, then Justin Gaethje started coming up. Yeah. He said, I'll take the fight for a interim belt. And they fought, and the punishment Tony Ferguson took in that fight was unbelievable. That was the one I said he shook his head, and he was like, no, no, no. Like, the referee stopped the fight in round five. The punishment he took in that fight was unreal and that was the end of his 10 winning streak and the start of his seven losing streak well let's get on to ferguson pimblet because actually i don't think it was a bad performance what do you think i totally agree with you it was not a bad performance i totally agree i mean in terms of um in terms of ferguson obviously <laughs> pimblet won the fight so yeah. for him is a good performance but yeah for ferguson i think we, we spoke about this last week that actually he didn't necessarily have to go out there and win, but he, he just mm. needs to go out there and sort of make it a close contest, which this was a three round fight. 
And after the first two rounds, it was strongly in Pimblet's favor. But I think Ferguson ended strongly. You know, he sort of gained something back there. And I think we can yeah. see we can see in that, you know, his training with David Goggins, for example, um, just that fitness, just that mental strength to to keep on going. Yeah, this this fight was interesting because Tony Ferguson walked out, as you said, with David Goggins. And it was like he just looked like he wants to win this fight badly. Ending a six fight losing streak. It's hot. Tony Ferguson had this phrase, which everyone would say it's Tony time. Like, that was his phrase where he was, like, at the peak of his career. And now people have changed it to, it's time, Tony, as in, like, retire. That's it for you. Um, but when he walked now. out, he should retire now. When he walked out, it was like, he was in the mood. He was like, okay, let's do this. Let's get this. Um, and the fight started. Fair play to Paddy Pimblin, by the way, coming off of that controversial win against Jarrett Gordon and performing like this against the Kakui Tony Ferguson was very very good very uh, impressive i have to very say impressive. this is the first time i've seen him and those first two rounds he looks a machine yeah very impressive victory against tony ferguson i still do think there's a lot to work on um because realistically he was meant to finish tony ferguson like it was match made to a point where he he should really finish him uh, but in the third round, you could see his gas tank went and he was tired in the third round. Now his nose was compromised in the first or the second round of the fight. So that definitely played a factor. His breathing probably stopped his breathing through his nose. But he was tired in the third round. And had he not secured that takedown against Ferguson in the third round, he would have been in trouble on defeat. Yeah, you could definitely see that fatigue at the end. He was... I want to say a little bit wobbly, definitely gassed out. But Ferguson, that training with David Goggins really came into play there because he looked like he was raring to go by the third round. I mean, to take the hits that he was taking in round one and round two, I think a lot of other people, a lot of other fighters would just be done, you know? And you talk mm. about how it was set up for Pimblet to finish him off in round two. I think that training that he did have, you know, that endurance training, that stamina training, really came into play there and that mental training because jesus christ this guy was getting fucked up but he just never quit he never quit and if it was a long if it was i don't know five rounds for example it could have been a completely different result but unfortunately it wasn't yeah. um and i think really entertaining fight really excited to see what pimblet does going forward and i think for ferguson you know what okay it's another loss on the record but it's not a bad one I don't think he's going to, he might walk away from that disappointed, but I don't really think he should because he kept in there and he got better as it went on. Yeah, he, that definitely did happen. It's his mental toughness is unreal though. There's a video of him when he fights Charles Oliveira and he might've seen this where Oliveira gets him in an arm bar where he's about to snap his arm in half, but he just refuses to tap and he waits until the round is over. Like, you could see he's in so much pain. Like, you could see his elbows almost coming out of the front of his hand. Uh, but he just refuses to tap. Like, he never quits on himself. So I think this is a case of mentally he's still as hungry as he were at the start. But physically, his body just can't perform as well as it used to. Do you think it's physically his body can't perform as well as it used to? Or is it more so that perhaps his strategy is not wrong? Because... We know the mental game is incredible, 
you've just said it there mm. where he refused to tap out and at times it was similar in this fight so maybe if he approached it with a different strategy like there's surely something he could have done where he wasn't getting battered by paddy in round one for example in the way that he was he surely or he he could have you know altered that maybe a different approach was needed because of course his training as far as i'm aware focused on endurance but endurance is great but it's not going to win you a fight all the time is it you do need that strategy yeah well see with tony ferguson to be fair with you he was never necessarily great at anything in terms of he wasn't necessarily a great boxer or a great kickboxer or a great wrestler he wasn't necessarily good at any of them but don't get me wrong he was good but i mean not great as in like the top level but the thing he had the drive he had was how mean he was he was just mean he was always in your face elbowing you like he would take two shots to his face to land one elbow that would cut you open and he would love it when you start bleeding and stuff like that he was just mean like he'd refuse to t- touch gloves with you like he'd just fight you and at the end he'd love you but and in this fight, you'd see some of that because in his previous fights, like the seven fight losing streak at the start, he's happy, like he touches gloves with them, like he's nice. But like in this fight, he tried to be mean a little bit. Like he tried to not touch glove with Paddy at the start of the fight, uh, at the start of the round, my bad. He tried it, but he just doesn't have it anymore. It's just a case of he's just not mean. I do agree with that though. If he wants to continue fighting, He's got the conditioning. It's probably best to try to work on strategies, but it's just a case of, as a fight, he's not a, he's not a martial artist. He's a fighter, and the difference with that is, they just do the same thing over and over and over and over again. You can't get that out of them. Like they just bite down on their mouth guard and they just try to fight. But clearly, this is someone who is invested in longevity, and so, the intelligent thing to do would be to go back to the basics and go back to the drawing board and say, okay, I'm not perhaps a martial artist, but can I learn some sort of, can I learn some sort of game plan and some techniques, which are going to really allow me to dominate fights opposed to relying on my endurance? Because, you know, there were times in this fight where his head was just being smashed against the canvas and this guy would just not give in. Or I think he he had a cut on his chest or like his collarbone as well. And it was like, it was nothing to him. He was bleeding on the canvas as well. So yeah, I think it's just, I don't think it's time for him to to hang up, hang up his, uh, do they have gloves in UFC? They do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's time for him to hang up his gloves. There might be another dub in there somewhere. I hope, like the president of the UFC, Daniel White said he wants to, he likes to see Tony retires. I'm, I'm sure if Tony asked for one more fight, they'd give it to him just because of his name and who he is. But uh, I th- I think I'd like, to, if he were to do another fight, I'd like to see a more favorable matchup for Tony Ferguson rather than fighting all these up-and-comers. Yeah, because it seems like they're relying on the name, aren't they? It's definitely, yeah. it would be good for his health to retire. No doubting that. It's just whether he's in the headspace. I think you could see a narrative where either he does retire after this or he has one more fight and it's like you said it's more appropriate for his level and he goes out on a win that would be nice to see i'd love to see that because now he tied the record for most losses or most losing uh, like the losing streak with uh bj penn which is seven losses in a row at lightweight now that is he's he's got the record for the most wins in a row and the most losses in a row in that weight class that is not a record you want. So, Tony, yeah. I know you're listening. 
Come on, one more fight or retire. Exactly. Shall we move on to something completely different? And that is the fact that we traveled to a lovely little town called Bath last Friday. What did you think? Bath was amazing. It was um, not what you expect to see. Like it didn't feel like London. At the start, it did. It felt like it's just like London. They tried to copy London. Uh, But then it was just, it was good. It was unique. It was a good experience. It was refreshing to see. And I liked it, the structures, everything. It, it was cool. What about you? Well, yeah, you're right. When we entered like into the town, the architecture was like those Georgian townhouses in central London. So we're like, okay, they're trying to copy London here. But my God, what a beautiful place. And it's it comes back to something we said, I think it was on episode one, where we were talking about when you leave the city, the air quality is different, for example definitely got that in bath it was it was crisper but it was the perfect time to go here because we've both never been there before and to go there at christmas time it just it personified that christmas vibe it was beautiful they had the christmas lights up they had the christmas market and the way that the the way that the town is set out is it's like they're quite close together aren't they all the streets they're quite narrow there's a lot of shops it is in a way it's a student town and at the same time it's not because it's quite expensive it's quite yeah it's quite expensive real estate there isn't it uh the prices are similar to london but yeah i love the pubs for example and we were saying a few times throughout like i wish i went to university here because what an experience that would have been yeah i i have to say i loved it and i'd love to go back there it's a beautiful place yeah it was good i'm not gonna lie it was so it took us nearly two and a half hours to get there i believe and it was definitely worth it like we just walked around we didn't really do much to be fair we just walked around the town or the town center and we had a coffee we had lunch um and it was just lovely. It was lovely to see, especially when it was, well, we just missed the sunset, but when we drove up that hill and you could see the whole town, oh that, was, that was beautiful. That was, yeah, that was gorgeous. And the thing is like, yeah, we didn't have long there, but, and I wish we did have longer, but you were saying we didn't do much because you didn't have to, you just had mm. to walk around and absorb the vibe. Everyone was so friendly yeah. there as well, weren't oh, yeah. they? Literally, literally, they were so nice. This is another thing we need to talk about when you leave a city and you go somewhere else outside of London. Everyone, at, people actually smile at you. People actually talk to you. It's incredible. It's honestly, honestly, it's just amazing. Like how nice people were. So I said this to you when we just got to the town bit. There was this woman I asked her, like the one of the parking officers I asked like where can I park and then she gave me the address to this parking center the parking lot and when I was at the red light I was the first car at the red light and it turned it turned green and I didn't realize I think I was just talking to one of you lot I was just there and then after like in 10-15 seconds like Toga said like oh it's green by the way you can go and I started driving and I looked behind me and there's like five six cars and none of them beeped at me. Not a single one of them. Whereas in London, if it's green and you, you don't start driving for a second, literally, people try to kill you. They come after you. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, it's like, these people are so nice. And then we went to the parking lot. 
and we tried to find parking. And there was this guy, we asked him, are you leaving? And he was like, yeah, yeah, we're leaving, we're leaving. Don't worry, like, don't worry, come yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, listen, I just got here, but you know what? I'm, this is the only space. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vacate it for you. You can enter in. It's all good. <laughs> just really That's nice people. That's that. Honestly, they were all amazing. Isn't it incredible where you go somewhere and people actually act like normal people? I just, wow, what an experience they're just happy like it just felt like they're happy and i'd be happy in that vibe as well if you live there and you have to walk down that path on daily basis and everyone know each other you have these classic coffee shops to go to i love it i love to live in a town that's as small rather than a big city where it's just chaos i'd love to live somewhere where everyone know each other and people are just happy together and it's just yeah because it's a gorgeous environment to be in like you said we just missed the sunset but we we did sort of see it we went to the top of that hill and it was just it was stunning um and you just don't you don't have that in london you know you don't have that you don't have that happy vibe that we did when we were there the bars as well i love the bars i wish that we could actually i wish we could spend the whole night there well, we were talking about going back there and even visiting Swansea on our way or after that. It's definitely an option. I would love to return there. I'm telling you, like, it. see, I was, I was telling you a lot the whole night that you see how nice this place is. Now imagine Swansea. Oh, God. And... He's plugging Swansea on the <laughs> podcast now. I have nothing against Swansea. I haven't been there yet. And I have to go because you keep talking about it. But you're hyping it up too much. You understand that. It's amazing. No, see, hear me out, right? Hear me out. Is it like, is it like Paris? Is it like a city like, uh, I don't know, like, is it, is it like, like Spain? Is it like Germany? Is it like, no, it's not necessarily like some cities like those. It's like some of those countries, but it's, if, if you're saying Bath is that good, like if we go to Bath and you're saying Bath is that good. Now, obviously Bath is probably not good compared to Rome or Bath is probably not good compared to uh, Barcelona I don't know but if you're saying it's that good then you'll be surprised at Swansea because I just think it's better well listen the only way to find out is to actually go to Swansea spend the whole day there and then compare the pros and the cons but we've been to Bath beautiful place I'd love to go back it's one of the best places I visited, actually. I just loved it. I I totally agree with that. Bath was honestly amazing. Um, how was the drive? The drive was better than I expected. So, firstly, thank you for that. And oh, secondly, good, good. congratulations on that achievement. Because you're not known for being the smoothest driver. but <laughs> But it was quite smooth. And... In the process, you actually broke one of your own records, the longest drive that you have done, not just in that car, but in your life. So how was that experience for you? Because I think that was almost double the time of your longest before. Yeah, so we were still together, the longest one I did before that, and that was our trip to Winchester. That was a staycation there. Uh, and what was that? That was like an hour and a half max. Yeah, so in comparison... That is nothing. And that felt like a long drive at the time. But yeah, that was nothing. Yeah, literally, it did feel like it did feel really long. I mean, that was like literally right after I had a car, but still that felt like a long, long drive. 
Um, even though with that one, like it was just going then and we stayed there a couple of days and then we returned a different day with this, like we went and we came back the same day, but it still didn't feel, it obviously felt long, but not as long. I mean, the driving was good. I kind of felt like, okay, like there's a few moments where I'm like, okay, I could just close my eyes for a few seconds, probably wake back up, but I didn't. Uh, that's just because we were talking the whole time. But if if we weren't, I probably would have slept. Can I say, well done, you did not sleep and kill us all? No, see, here is the thing. I actually would drive good if I sleep because I'm resting as I'm driving. It's called active recovery. It is called crashing your car because your eyes are closed. <laughs> did I come close to crashing? No, but yes. <laughs> that is the answer to that one. That, uh, see, I mean, the reason you're saying yes was because I was tired. If I had, if I sleep, like if I say, okay, I'm going to sleep now, it would have been fine. It would have been a no, but yes. It would have been a no, but no. So I, I was... I was so tired on the way back. I don't know how I stayed awake for the whole two and a half hours. I could have gone to sleep straight away. Genuinely same. Like, like literally same. I don't even know what I was, what we were talking about. I just I couldn't even stay awake. I was just saying anything so that my eyes wouldn't close. <laughs> yeah, on the way back, if I had the like temperature set at a warmer temperature, I probably would have fallen asleep. Like literally if i would have closed my eyes that was it because it was so dark as well on the way back oh that is true yeah because some of the motorways didn't have headlights did they they did not they did not and if i just had closed my eyes I, I would have been gone like that would have been it for me and we almost saw a deer commit suicide and kill us in the process but it never happened which is good it's well i mean we all know my skills when it comes to deers um I obviously wouldn't let that. I, I just send steers, like if they're close, if they're far, and I can just chase them. I can catch them. I can take take a selfie with them. And this is a fact. This that is, is a whole witness conversation. How? What would be the approach if a deer runs on the motorway in front of your car? Is it safer to drive straight and not react? Or to react and potentially, I don't know, flip the car, flip into another car. Is it safer to just go straight and possibly hit the deer? If you're in a big car, if you're in like an SUV, your best option is to just hit them. Like your best option is if you see them, don't brake, don't move your steering wheel, just straight drive at them. Because if they hit the bottom of your car, they're going to go flying. Your car gets destroyed from it most likely. But they'll go flying. Whereas if you're in a smaller car, they genuinely may come through your front windshield and end up killing you. Um, so your best option would be to try to drive away from them quickly. However, that depends on how empty the motorway is. But that being said, nine out of ten people who try to drive away from it, like who try to quickly like twitch and like make like a L-shaped thing that goes past the deer they end up flipping their car because they're going at a really high speed and it's really difficult to actually keep the balance of your car if you try to quickly just move the steering wheel. It ends up flipping in most cases, uh, which is obviously dangerous. So I'd say, yeah, probably your best option is to hit him. There's really no good option there, is it? You're completely right in what you're no, saying. Either but it, way, you're fucked. It is, yeah, it's two, it's two shits, really. Speaking yeah. of cars and car crashes, me and Joe yesterday, we didn't witness it, but we... We drove past a car crash probably like a minute after it happened. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Um, one car, it was a junction. One car was in the middle of the road. The front of it completely crashed, um, fucked, smashed. And the other car was just in a bush. And the guy was... So the guy in the car in the middle of the road, he seemed fine. He was out in front of his car. But we don't know what happened to the other car in the bush. I don't know if the person in there was okay. Um, uh, so was yeah. the person in the car that was in a bush? Or did they get out? Like, well, did they manage to get out? Well, that's the thing. We we didn't see anyone get out of that vehicle. So we don't know what happened to them. Um, but it really didn't look okay. good because the car in the middle of the road, the guy was out in front of it. So he was fine. He appeared fine. Didn't look like there was any bleeding that we could see. I think he just looked pretty, you know, shocked, um, dazed. But the other car, yeah, it was it was down in the bush. I don't know what happened there, but there was glass all over the road. We had, we were so oh lucky my. because it must have happened, you know, at the most like five minutes before. Oh jeez, yeah, that's that's bad. I mean, I hope they're all safe, but. That, that, that doesn't sound good if someone like what kind of bush are we talking about just like small side but like was it like a big thing they crashed into oh you know like on the side of the road where there's you know trees and bushes stuff like that but yeah i, I agree with you i hope that person's okay but it didn't look good for the car in the bush so yeah i'll try to find out something some more about that actually yeah i'm I'm sure like if 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 there was anything serious like we'd probably hear about it or we could probably find out more information about it exactly uh was it a small car big car they were both small cars yeah they were probably around the size of yours oh, okay so both both small cars and it was mostly the car at the back that was damaged or not damaged like well the thing is the one in, risk. you couldn't see the front of the one in the bush but it didn't look damaged it was just in the bush which obviously is not good it took a lot of impact but the one in the road, the front of it was just smashed completely. Oh, I see. Speaking of car crashes, did you see the recent video of Michael B. Jordan trying to race his Ferrari with another Ferrari and then he ends up crashing the Ferrari? I did not see that. Oh, it's incredible. Like, Obviously, he's fine. Nothing happens. But it's a video of him uh, like side by side with another Ferrari at a red light and it goes green and they both like try to like launch and he just segues and he hits like the cars on the side of the road that are parked and like one of his tires just go rolling on the floor and then yeah he just yeah he's he's fine though oh, it's fuck. just he deleted his car so what might so michael b was the one who who hit the car yeah yeah michael b jordan was the one who crashed his car My the other Ferrari probably won imagine if he off. imagine if it was serious or if he even oh, died from no. that that would be so Sad. stupid that's so bad man that's the car car crashes car crash deaths are so unfortunate it's awful yeah it's yeah honestly like the ones who drive up to like 200 miles per hour and then they hit something like that's that's still unfortunate but that's what you decide to do that and that comes at a big risk which you're taking when you decide to do it so that's like well you played with fire and now you're burnt but like the ones that are like that, like the bush thing or stuff like that. A lot of it is just unfortunate. A lot of it is just bad luck and just not paying attention. So it's actually funny you say that because I feel like since I changed my car, right? I I was in more situations that almost was a crash. How so? And so hear me out, right? My old car was a 2007 Mini mini cooper 2007 mini 
this one is a 2023 Toyota Yaris. With this one, it has much more technology. It has a lot of things like all like these fancy screens all over the place. Like I could look at that. I could look at this data, look at that information, like the miles per gallon, how much battery I have, like a lot of info. Like whereas with the other one, I used to just sit in and just drive like there was nothing like it's just you sit in and you drive yeah like with this one you have to set the temp- temperature to to you, what you like you have to like pick the places where you want the air to come out whether you want it to your head to your feet the front windshield like it's just a lot of these random options which aren't necessary but just makes life easier now hear me out they're so distracting because i sit down and i drive and I just end up going through these options as I'm driving. Do you think that's just your personality? Like you just feel like you're bored? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Because I can't do one thing. Like, you know me, I can't stick to one thing. for Like I can if it's something I like. But like, if it's a case where I'm just sitting doing nothing, but obviously driving is something. But if it's a case if I'm, I'm just doing that, I'm just going to end up exploring the things around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I'm, if you take me in the middle of somewhere and you put me in a house, I'm not just going to sit in that house. I'm going to go out, explore around like what's going on, even if it's dangerous or not. Like I'm not going to sit there. Yeah. So in, so in one way, it's more of a distraction, but I think in general it is safer because I was thinking about this um, after your drive actually, and you had all these, you have all these different options. I was like, wow, isn't driving, driving must be much easier now and much more safer now than it was, let's say, 30 years ago. You've got so many different options. I was thinking actually because, I was thinking of this because of your Apple CarPlay and how you've got Apple yeah. Maps, for example. And I was thinking, I was thinking back to when my parents first got a sat-nav in like, I don't know, 2006 or something and how revolutionary that would have been at the time and how it's just so ingrained into your driving experience now that you've always got it there it it's been in a way it's been leaps and bounds in terms of how it's progressed over the years yeah definitely i mean sat nav honestly helps so much because obviously if you don't have that you're gonna have to be looking at drawn maps you don't know where you are you're gonna have to read the signs where you want to go and stuff like that but it's as I said, like it's like somewhat of a double-edged sword, but I think it comes down to your personality, as you said. It's just with me, I feel like if I'm doing the same thing for long and I have things to explore, I'm going to end up exploring them. So like I sometimes I'm just looking down, like looking at these things, like looking at this screen, and then I look back up and I'm like really close to the car in front, so I have to like quickly do something before I crash into them or I'm not going in a straight line, so I have to like make sure I go back straight before I like fucking go off the curb are you are uh, you incriminating yourself huh? am i i think you might be in what way i think i heard looking down at screens i didn't specify what screen see my car's cockpit is actually a screen we need some legal advice on that answer <laughs> shall we shall we move on to uh, talking about let's do this the recently cancelled Last of Us multiplayer game. This is quite disappointing news. Yeah, it is. Well, actually, I found that out. Like, you knew it beforehand, but I found that out when we were sitting at the bar in Bath. I know, yeah. And this was something I was looking forward to. So Naughty Dog, who have developed the Uncharted series and the really successful Last of Us series as well, their latest game was supposed to be a Last of Us multiplayer game. 
And as someone who hasn't played the Last of Us games yet, but has watched the series, knows how popular it is, and you know, based off the series, I really enjoyed it. It was something that I did want to explore. This was a game that I think, like a lot of people, I was really interested in, and they have taken the decision to cancel it. Yeah, yeah. What What do you think about that? Well, their decision was that although they were really happy with the gameplay, if they wanted to go forward with this game, it would have to be a live service game requiring them to do multiple updates frequently over a period of years. And to do that, they would have to put all the company and studio resources into the game. And that would take away from single player experiences, which Naughty Dog are known for. So it is... It's like it's this tension between do we take the company in a direction it hasn't been in before or do we stick to our roots and create and create these really immersive single player experiences? And although it's really disappointing and although it's probably one of these games which people are going to say, oh, that's one of the greatest games that never got made. I think overall, it's probably the right the right decision, because you look back at their last three games, Uncharted 4 last of us part one and last of us part two they're some of the most critically acclaimed games ever released so they clearly know what they're doing so i think in general in terms of like the ethos and the direction of naughty dog as a studio probably the right decision but nonetheless very disappointing yeah i mean to be fair i think it would have been a case where if they would have stuck with last of us multiplayer it probably would have came out around the same time as gta so that's like a bit competition and you already know a lot of people are just gonna go with the gta over that um but yeah once again it's disappointing as you said as well um i don't know though like if you think about it how could the last of us be multiplayer because the whole point of the last of us is so that there's only a few people yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a post-apocalyptic America, basically. Yeah, that's that's the whole point of it. I guess that... So there was actually a multiplayer mode that released with the original Last of Us game, and it was not available to play on the recently released Last of Us Part 1. But I guess it would make sense that it would be like warring factions. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So... The enemies, you would have the the zombie-like creatures, but the enemies are people and factions and people grouping together. I think, actually, coincidentally, I think that the name of the multiplayer mode on the original Last of Us was actually called Factions. So that tells you all you need Mm. to know. But hopefully one day they, you know, because this game has now been cancelled, maybe they could just release all that pre-testing footage that they had, you know, all the artwork true, actually. they could walk us through it because i think a lot of people are interested in this and yeah you're right when you say that gta 6 would have been big competition but it most definitely would have been successful and i probably yeah. would have checked it out because i haven't played a naughty dog game before they have that critical pedigree i'm someone who's interested in playing these last of us games on the ps5 going forward so I would have checked out their latest release, whatever it is. And it's just a shame that this is one that's not coming to fruition, but you never know. Maybe in the future when, if 
if the studio grows bigger and they have the resources to do it, then maybe they can release this game. But for now, it has been cancelled. Is there any indication as to what they're going to be working on next? Like, what's their next project? Well, in that statement, they did say that they are working on a brand new single player experience. And so that is either a completely new IP or it's The Last of Us Part 3, which would be very interesting because we do know that you've got The Last of Us Part 2 releasing on PS5 in January 2024, and you've got The Last of Us Series 2 releasing on HBO either next year or 2025. So they are in a moment right now. And I think that the TV show, I believe it will be doing at least three series. I think I read that somewhere. So they're going to have that momentum for quite a while. And it would make sense to, I guess, continue with that because I don't know where The Last of Us Part 2 ends. I don't know where the story ends, but surely you can mine more from that. Surely there's a story to tell there. You create this incredible world. You might as well utilize it. And they were clearly looking to do that anyway with a Last of Us multiplayer game. So I think we Mm. could see a Last of Us Part 3. Could be. Could very well be. I mean, it's just a big... It's like a build-up to a big package, which is obviously at the same time as the show. Which the show is unbelievable, by the way. It's really good. Uh, There's the games. I personally never played any of them. I didn't play part one or part two. I did play Uncharted 4, and I think we talked about this before, but Uncharted 4 is just amazing. Uh, So they're really good at their single-player games. Like They know what they do when it comes out to single-player games. So as you said, it's a case of them deciding, do they want to do something new? Or do they want to stick with what they do? I'm sure if they do decide to go with a multiplayer game, it'll be as good as their single-player games. Like, I'm sure they're not going to abandon all these single-player games for something that's going to be a flop or that's not going to work out. But it's still, as you said, disappointing. Like, I don't necessarily think The Last of Us was the right choice of games for multiplayers. Obviously, The Last of Us is trending right now just, just because of the name, how it is, the show, the games. But I think, like, it game series like uncharted there's much more potential for it to be a multiplayer rather than like the last of us you're right when you say that i'm sure if they were going to do a multiplayer game it would be really good because this i mean think about it their single player games have been amazing they're some of the most critically acclaimed and popular single player games of the last decade and decade and a half and so i think if they went into that multiplayer space whatever they would do would be an interesting take on what multiplayer is i don't think it would be you know conventional for example um but it is it comes down to a question of resources and do you want to put your company's resources into something that means that you can't develop your single player games for example when i think penultimately you know they've come to this decision where they they want to focus on single player games going forward and that's okay, you know, and we're we're lucky for that because whatever Naughty Dog release going forward in terms of single player, I know it's going to be amazing. I I totally agree with that. So with this Last of Us, so you've watched the series, right? I watched the series and I absolutely loved it. And you know what? This has got me thinking about another idea. We we should do. I think in next week's episode, we should talk about our favorite TV series of the year. Oh, that's a good point. Like a summary of the year. Yeah, summary. You know, what what did we enjoy the most? Because I think, spoiler alert, I think that The Last of Us would definitely be up there for me. Be up there. I agree. I agree. So people, stay tuned for the next week episode. 
You see there what we you go. did there? We're figuring out our transcript live on air. That's how we do it. No cuts. No cuts. We're keeping this in. <laughs> That's how we did it. So you've you've watched this series, and with the game, you've played a remastered version, right? Like the first, first part. No, I haven't. I, I, I had it. But so I had Last of Us remastered, but I never played it. But I am looking to get part one, the PS5 version, in the near future. So I will be playing that. That that does look amazing. Like obviously, all the reviews say it's amazing. Like I, but see, I don't know. I think it's. I kind of don't necessarily want to see a Last of Us Part Three as a video game. I, I'm against these video games coming out in series. Like. Not against it, but like if you have an ongoing show and an ongoing game and they tend to be the same story. So I don't know whether the game has the same story as the show or not, but if it does, wouldn't it just be a spoiler? Yes and no. I mean, let's take let's take Game of Thrones, for example, which see it went up to the books went up to season six and then they ran out of books. So they had to make it up. So. Yeah. In terms of like a Last of Us show, let's say they don't release a Last of Us Part 3, but they do release a Last of Us Season 3 and 4, well, that will be completely different to what's in the games because those games don't exist. So I'm not necessarily against them, you know, doing these video game adaptations, even though, yes, the stories can be the same. And with The Last of Us, I believe it is pretty much the same, although there are some differences. For example, like Episode 3, which followed this gay couple um, who, who were just living in isolation and it followed their relationship. I thought that was an incredible bit that of television. Yet that is not in the game. So they do, oh, they do, do some pivots, for example. It's not always the exact same thing. But where I stand in terms of like TV adaptations of video games is so long as they're really good, which Last of Us has been, and fallout looks like it will be so long as they're really good i don't have a problem with them to be honest okay fair enough you know with the episode three i i was convinced at the start when it just showed them to spoiler alert by the way for people who haven't seen it at the start when it was just them to like trying to get to know each other or the guy letting the other guy in i was so convinced when he was playing the piano that this guy's gonna kill him oh, it was really 100 like percent he's gonna kill him I think that's intentional, though, because of that character's personality. But then when it doesn't go that way, it was just it's funny because that's the episode where you're not you're not with the two main characters. And yet it was the best episode of the series. It was just exactly. it was brilliant television. Like the the acting in that series just it's done to perfection. Like they could not have chose a better cast for that series. The casting was amazing. And I think going back to episode three again every every once in a while you watch like a television episode and you're like oh this is a classic already you just know instantly from watching exactly. it and that was one of them i told i can't even remember the last time i watched the series and it was like this is one of them classic series like tv shows where when they continue it's still going to be a classic like something like squid game was great don't get me wrong but it's it doesn't have that it factor to it it doesn't have the oh when season two comes out it's going to be the one when season three comes out it's going to be the one like it's really good but i don't know how to explain it it just doesn't have the it factor oh to it. i i've got to actually disagree with you though i think the end episode one of squid game and fly me to the moon the montage at the end oh, that's good. i watched that and i was like not only did i go oh i understand why everyone is watching this but i was like 
oh that's a classic bit of television that is so good that's good no that's good. no but what i mean is like it doesn't necessarily have an it factor to it like i'm not necessarily looking forward to season two of squid game like it lost the element of excitement it had do you know what i mean i guess i get what you're saying because you you probably felt like oh you've seen it now they should just end that story yeah like exactly. where can they go we had this conversation when it ended we're like what can they do where's yeah, it gonna there's go? nothing they can do now like all they can do is probably make a sequel or basically all they can do now is just do the game again and have another winner but like what i mean is like the blueprint is there yeah whereas with the last of us i think you're gonna say there is room for like there is room for more stories you can you don't know where it's going to go but it's it's not written in a way where it's like squid game where you've been in the highs and lows of the game and you've yeah. seen how the game works with the last of us because it it is it's like an open world game but exactly yeah but in tv it's like you don't know where it can go anywhere yeah exactly whereas with squid game the whole series is the game so if you take that out of it that just kills the point of the series exactly so Speaking of TV series, shall we talk about Reacher Season 2, which just came out? Yes, let's do this. So you've seen a few episodes, right? Yes. So as we're recording this, there are three episodes out and I have seen the first two. And I believe you have started episode three, but not watched it yet. Yes. So I usually do this thing where I start the episode off and like, let's say I want to watch for, let's say I want to watch two episodes at once, right? I watch two episodes and then I basically build up the hype for the third episode. Like I watch the opening scene of the third episode, but then I won't watch it because it's like I building. I up. unintentionally did that. <laughs> I unintentionally oh. did it. As in, I watched the first scene and then I went and did something else. Oh, okay. So with episode three, you mean, or with episode? Two? No, no. Well, with uh, with episode with episode one and two actually. Uh, so you've not seen any of the episode three? Not yet. Okay, so Jack Reacher Season 2, it came out. It's amazing. So we already talked about how good the first season was. We talked about how we're looking forward to the second season. And now it's here. They've got, as you said, three episodes out. I watched episode one and two, and I watched parts of episode three. Um, I'd say episode three is, I mean, I've only watched like five minutes of it, but it's by far the most entertaining part of the show. I felt episode one was a bit slow, and but it was a perfect setup for the rest of the show. And it's I, just looking good. I get what you mean when you say it's slow, but I don't look at that as a negative because, well, for two reasons. Firstly, like you said, it sets up the season, which is perfect. And that's something, that's why it's a really good episode of television because you know where this series is going to go in the end game. But also it just has the right tone it has that jack reacher tone which was so crucial because they established it in the first series and we're like okay can they can lightning strike twice and Mm. two three episodes in it looks like it has they just it's that balance between it's good yeah like the the macho of alan richardson the the main character the main actor playing reacher the macho of him but there's almost there's always like these comedic episodes in a way unintentionally or or intentionally i think it's intentional it's not comedy and yet it's really funny where he just the way he does things the way he moves around in the world the things he says the wisdom that he has 
it's just such a likable character i'd love it man yeah episode two that scene was so funny like you know the bit where spoiler alert of course like where the woman came up and was like have you unpacked yet and he just looks around puts his toothbrush down and is like yep now i'm unpacked <laughs> that's amazing reacher reacher is a man with no luggage that's that amazing, much is true man. that's amazing like just he he's a tank though have you seen his physique Oh my god! I mean, it's incredible. And what's the what's Alan's height? Is it six foot eight? Six, six foot no, seven? No, I don't think it's that tall. I think it's like six two. All right, hold on. Let me let me Google this. Okay, okay. He is so. For anyone who doesn't know what Alan Richardson looks like, he is just a machine, a man made of muscle. And I think he's higher than six two. Come on, he looks. He has that. He's forty one years of age. Could you believe that? Really yeah i don't know actually because i i can believe it because of the character so the character is he a former army major something like yeah, that he's yeah, no yeah, longer yeah. in the army and so to get to that point in your career you you do have to do your service for quite a while so it does make sense but he he could pass for late 20s he's he's got that handsome look doesn't he yeah literally he genuinely does he is actually six foot two by the way he's six foot two yeah no way half yeah okay well listen firstly i think it's the muscle and secondly i think it's just the way that he shot in the series that just makes him look like a machine in terms of his height literally is a tank because to think like an example would be tyson fury is bigger than that man it doesn't feel that way tyson fury is like six five but it just feels like this guy is a fucking marauder just walking around just a machine going through everything do you know what the show does really well? What? Usually with your character, they're not unstoppable. There will be situations where they breeze through it, especially in like action shows where they breeze through something. Mm. But there's also, there's always that situation where they get beaten up. Whereas yeah. as far as I'm aware with Reacher, it basically has never happened. He never gets yeah. beaten up. And yet you never hold it against the character you always feel he can be real and it's always interesting. And I think exactly. that's a that's a testament to the show and the way it's written and the character itself that you never hold that against it because usually if a character is just, I don't know, he walks into any situation, you know he's bulletproof, you're like, well, how do I get invested in this? And mm. yet you are. Yeah. Well, you rarely get a character which is basically the muscle and the brain of the of the show like you rarely get that character who both has the physical and the strength factor and has the intelligence like usually you have someone who are like hot-headed like to just walk into everything as you said sometimes they win sometimes they get fucked up or you have them other ones who just outsmart everything like a character like john wick for example like he has obviously is really good like he has that tank factor to him as well it, he doesn't appear that way like he just has the intelligence or even like the other jack reacher with tom cruise like he doesn't have that muscle factor to him obviously he's shredded don't get me wrong he has a great physique but comparing it to him it's just a different level like it gives you both that muscle vibe and the intelligence vibe. so a great example of that would be i believe you've seen prison break right i have so the two brothers one of them wentworth miller who played the main character michael schofield um he was like the brain of the operation right he didn't have any physical strength like you just sit back and you outsmart everyone whereas his yeah. brother was the muscle 
like he would go, he'd fight, he'd knock people out, he'd shoot people. But with Jack Reacher, it feels like all in one. And exactly, it's not one of them ones, like it's so well balanced. And I didn't realize that to this point where usually when something like that happens in shows, you're like, well, that's that's such a fake film. Like, obviously, that's never going to happen. Like, it's so out of out of this world. Whereas with this one, it's like you expect that and you're happy when it happens, like when he takes down everyone. Yeah, and I think like just on casting Alan Richson compared to Tom Cruise and where the books are, it's just it feels like perfect casting I and agree. also you've got like you've got 20 plus books that you can adapt i mean we could be watching this series for quite a few years i know that season three has already been greenlit which is just fantastic news and like we said last time we spoke about reacher in terms of minutes watched per week it is the most popular amazon prime show of all time so the audience is there the quality is there. Season two so far looks as good as season one. Mm. Uh, I don't re- I don't want to reach a judgment on it until we finished it. But my feeling so far is I prefer this story. I think maybe it's just the setting. Season one was more like small town America, whereas this is like, I think it's Chicago, actually. I think it's big New city Jersey. America. Oh, New Jersey, that's it. And New yeah. York as well. Although we mm. haven't got to the New York bit yet. So, yeah. I think so far really good. I'm looking forward to this. And as far as we're aware, I think it's releasing every Friday on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah, that's right. Every Friday will be coming out. So is are we saying this is our recommendation this week? Reacher. This is for sure our recommendation. First off, see watch episode watch season one if you haven't. If you have, start watching season two because it's just good. I'm not gonna lie, I somewhat I'm somewhat missing the the um characters from season one. And I'm not sure if they play a fact if they play a character in this season or not, but I somewhat feel the rats and like I wish they were still part of it. Do you mean the detective and the cop? Yeah. I think unfortunately, I think that was just that story. And so that's one of the things about the Reacher books is and and his personality is he goes from town to town, city to city, he's a man with no luggage, no baggage. Um, and so what you will probably find again with this series is there's going to be characters who we're going to meet, we're going to love, we're going to find out all about them. And then next series, they're just gone. And I'm okay with that, actually. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just like one thing I miss is just the dynamic of Reacher and that detective. Like they had a really cool dynamic in season one. That's, um, that's true. Yeah. And it yeah, took was, time to build cool. it, didn't it? Exactly. And they had like a cool like judging each other whilst being like friends like mates like they had that relationship between them that was cool i mean to be fair the woman from season one is still in season two obviously she didn't play a big part like the woman she does who was... this series though she's what she does this series yeah she does but in the first series she doesn't really play like a big big factor of uh, a character in the first series like i think she was only in one episode in season one or maybe two episodes yeah, so so series one is based off book one, and series two is based off book nine or book 13. And one of the oh. reasons why they did that is because of this character you're talking about features in both of them. So I think what they wanted was, mm, was a bit of continuity between the seasons. And because, like I was just saying, Jack Reacher, in terms of the books, they're all single stories, but there are, you know, sometimes characters who are in different books... I think you can do that. But I think in terms of a TV show, you do want that little bit of continuity. Mm. So you can, you are, you can jump from book one to book nine, for example. Um, 
but again it's a it's a brilliant story isn't it i agree i'm just so looking forward to it i believe it's still eight episodes just like season one but ah yeah i thought it was 10 wasn't it maybe 10 i'm not sure i think it's eight but it may be 10 uh but we'll definitely give an update on how it ends for sure so we've got three episodes out now if it's eight it's five more weeks so end of january yeah 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 basically well speaking of television and film as well what have you been watching lately so i watched a few christmas films of course i watched the grinch which by the way i prefer the animated version to the movie i agree Uh, it's just so much better the animated version i watched the movie you lot recommended to me called leave the world behind ah yes yes yes, you did was just good that film was really good and i've been watching jack reacher and i've started this other show on netflix i've only watched one episode i think it's called obliterated or something like that. i haven't heard of that one let me check what exactly it's called but and so speaking about leave the world behind which stars julia roberts ethan hawke and mahershala ali it's sort of like a science fiction political thriller but also like a disaster film and so to set it up you have this couple who rent an airbnb for the weekend to get away from their busy lives and it's out of the city it's sort of in like a a remote country area in the u.s and then one night a father and daughter show up and they ask for shelter essentially but the twist is that it's actually it's their airbnb they own the house and so in one sense you've sort of got this home invasion thriller but in the other sense you've got all this science fiction and disaster stuff happening in the background because the phone line will go down for example Mm. or the tv network shuts off or they have no no phone signal so it's really good and i think we had a a conflict in terms of where the film ends but i really like the ending and it left me wanting more which is always a good thing i i see the ending i was i was a bit dis not disappointed but i expected to see a bit more because they they realized what like as someone who's watching the film like the first two three minutes or the first 10 minutes of the film you know what the problem is whereas the characters don't know what the problem is so the ending was basically just the characters finding out what the problem is whereas from someone who's watching the show like or watching the film you'd know that 10 minutes in anyway uh but the whole film was just good it was like it had that thriller vibe it had that dark drama vibe it was just it was just good it was really really good i really like that scene where it was the woman and the kid or like the the landlord's kid and they were in that cabin in the middle of the woods and there were just a bunch of deers just looking at them i still don't understand why the deers were looking at them weird i think and actually i'm going to try and say this without spoiling anything that a big theme of the film is about natural migration and how animals understand more so than humans when something's going wrong and so I don't specifically know, like, in depth the meaning of the deer, the visual symbolization of it. But I, I think it what it's simply trying to do is just to show in, in a way that, that the deer are just looking at the people. Like, 
you fucking idiots. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. the, the movement of the deer and what they do symbolizes that something's up and they know that before the humans do. Yeah, to be fair, that that's actually true about animals. Like even like with dogs, if there is an earthquake, like they'd know like thirty minute before it actually happens. Yeah, and I mean, by the way, those CGI deer look really real. So unbelievable! Props Did you see to that the CGI tank? department. Like the final deer that just came through, like the, the tank, the stag, yeah, the, alpha. the beast. Yeah. What do you? I mean, actually, no, we're not going to talk about it. I don't want to spoil that scene. But great, great scene. <laughs> I mean, I, how do I segue from that? Because I was just about to answer your question, but I don't, I don't want to. Well, um, spoiler alert: you could say it. You could say no, it. No, no. Listen, people, watch "Leave the World Behind" on Netflix. Highly recommend it. It's like a political thriller, science fiction film, but also a drama. It's so many different things, um, but it's really enjoyable, and I highly recommend it. I I agree with that. It was it was a really entertaining film to watch. And what a better way for people to plan out their Friday. Think about it. They can wake up, listen to coffee hour. They could watch an episode of Jack Creature. Then they could watch Leave the World Behind. You've got it all sorted for them. I wish I was a coffee hour fan. Or I wish I was a listener. I am a you're, fan, of course. You're meant to be the second biggest fan. I am. I am. I am. I wish I was a listener. That's what I mean. I mean, I wish I was someone who wasn't a part of it so I could just listen to all these lovely advice that just builds my day speaking of listeners i can think of someone who doesn't listen to our podcast yes shame them on them shame they know them. who they are you know who you are that's unbelievable that is unbelievable if, if you hear this bit and you feel something in your stomach you're like fuck i shouldn't have done that then you're the one you shouldn't be doing that it's unacceptable Unfortunately, they won't be hearing this and we're just talking to ourselves. Point, to be fair. That's probably true. Or we could just send them this bit. What have you been watching? Well, I have been watching... Well, apart from Reacher, not much. I'm not going to lie. Actually, I did see Home Alone again, which, wow, what a film. I see it, I see it pretty much every year. And mm. my favourite's always been Home Alone 2. But having rewatched Home Alone this year... I don't think I watched it last year, actually. I, I definitely saw Home Alone 2 last year, but what a film. I just, I fell in love with it again. It's just Macaulay Culkin, the Christmas vibe, the house itself. I think Home Alone is pretty much a perfect Christmas film. I it's don't really see any faults with it. It's a classic. Is the first one with Donald Trump or is it the second one that's with Donald Trump? Yeah, no. So the second one is where he goes to New York and he sees Donald Trump. And yeah. it's a little bit more silly, but I love that film just as much. But the first one, I finished watching it and I, I did say, I was like, I can't find a fault with this film. I do think it's the perfect Christmas film. It is a good film to be fair. So you've watched that and you watched The Reacher or Jack Reacher. I've watched Home Alone and I've watched Reacher and I, I need to see more Christmas films is what you I need do, to actually. do. You do actually. You do. It's the 20th. You need to pick up the pace. I know. I'm definitely going to be watching Elf and another one I like is The Holiday, which is a romantic comedy. It's so I'll be watching those two. Oh, it always is, man. It's a good film. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend watching yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't actually. I might watch it. Is it with what year I'll be talking uh, this is 2006. I would say watch it with Leah is what you okay. should do. Okay, yeah. good do, good do. Yeah, could very well be done. So, shall we wrap this up? All right, yes, let's do this. I have been your co-host, William Code. 
I'm your co-host, Asha. And thank you for listening to Coffee Hour. See you on the next one. Take care. Merry Christmas. Take care.